Hey guys, welcome to the inaugural episode of Wired Up, an energy and outdoor podcast brought to you by YBuy.net. And we are really excited to start this up. We're going to be interviewing leaders from around the industries of sustainability and of outdoors and also talking about some DIY and all kinds of stuff that you guys are interested in. So let's get it started. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. My name is Mike and I run a company called YBuy and it's been a long time coming and I've gotten this podcast started and my goals here are to really offer quality podcasts that um, really delves into people involved in the industries of uh, sustainability and of educating about the outdoors and how um, how we can combine the two. And my background is in renewable energy uh, from college. And I've, I've worked in solar and energy efficiency and sustainable farming. And I'm really passionate about it. And now that's what our company does is, uh, is we sell outdoor products. But um, this, this podcast uh, is going to be a lot of an interview style. And we're going to uh, be lining up some really cool interviews because I think people are a lot more interesting than I am. And I don't want to just talk and I want to interview uh, people and tell their stories. And along the way, I, I do want to do some some DIY and, and talk about different projects uh, to be working on and discuss different things in the, in the industries like um, tiny houses, RVs, sustainable agriculture, permaculture, and uh, really uh, whatever you guys want me to talk about. Uh, you guys are welcome to always send in requests, uh, talking about solar and uh, renewable energy projects. Um, but today I have a special guest. Um, he's somebody I met a while back, and he operates a company here in Charlotte, North Carolina, called Accelerate Solar. And he uh, he works to advance solar, and uh, they, they do a lot of residential solar projects, installing solar on people's houses. And I really wanted to catch up with him and see kind of what's new in the industry and um, update my knowledge. Uh, he taught me some things. I had some questions I really wanted to ask him. And I hope this helps you in your journey if you're looking into going solar. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy. So uh, uh, I've, I've got some questions, like, definitely pertaining to solar. And I, I guess let's see if we can um, kind of, like, consolidate them as much as we can. So. Um, Let's see. Uh, so how'd you get, how'd you start your company? What, what do you do? And um, like, uh, what's, what's your background in the solar? Well, really it just came from a background in construction. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, I, I met a buddy who was looking to uh, start a business in solar, uh, Chris Berner, uh, my business partner. He's been installing solar since he was nine years old. 
with his father. Their cabin blew up after a bear broke in. Um, and uh, he was looking to start something down here. And we just kind of randomly met through a mutual friend. And um, we just went with it. And, um, you know, and I had some experience with the, with the hemp company previously. And so we just grew from there. So and a lot of it came from the passion just behind the environment. It's called uh, Accelerate Solar, and you guys are mostly out of uh, North Carolina, right? And how many years are you? Have you been in existence? Yeah, so we, we we're we've been in North and South Carolina now for eight years. Uh, we just recently got licensed in Florida, New York, and Illinois last year. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been, you know, kind of growing with that. Um, but yeah, you know, let's. Eight nine years in the industry. So, is it is it just residential, or have y'all moved into commercial? Any goals of going into utility scale? Yes. Yeah, so right now we're doing residential and commercial. Uh, the commercial is definitely a little bit of a, a longer close. We have a nice, healthy pipeline there. Um, in terms of industrial stuff, uh, we're just not there yet. In terms of the bonding, uh, it's a lot of money. Yeah, but we're we're steadily going in that direction and we're building obviously residential in all of those states and uh, commercial as they come. So has uh, COVID-19 has that uh, affected anything in it? Like have you, are, is stuff still pretty much going through consistently or is that, have you noticed a slowdown? Well, yeah, initially when it, you know, when it first was kind of, you know, when they, they canceled the NCAA and then states started to lock yeah. down. Yeah. We saw. Did they freeze this? Yeah, everything froze, uh, you know, uh, for about three weeks, three, four weeks. People kind of wanted to f get their bearings and figure out what the heck was going on. Yeah. I, I that in our industry, too. Yep. Yeah. So we, uh, I mean, we followed and, and sent everybody home from the office on the 16th of March, and we're bringing them back on Tuesday of next week. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Fortunately for us, we've been, you know, just making new partnerships and uh, we've seen the fruits of our labor recently and I think we're, we're going to finish the year pretty strong. So, Okay. I, th I think a lot of people might be interested in, in some technical questions. I don't want to get like um, maybe a little bit of lingo, but maybe not too, like I try to describe things a little more in, um, in uh, practical uh, terms and stuff like that. Um, Let's see. I guess. Well, what's the, what's the biggest biggest challenges that you think that there are in solar? Is it regulatory? Is it financing? Is it uh, explaining to consumers sales? Uh, I think the biggest. I mean, the utilities are definitely. You know, some of them are very hurtful to customers. Um, you know, we we were working in Horry County for a while, and Horry Electric originally had a net meter program which they switched over to charging the customer $55 a month if they wanted to go solar. Uh, Santee Cooper is very similar. They charge a $4 and 40 cent per kilowatt charge per month uh, if they go solar and that's for the life of you know their system. Uh, plus they don't have net metering. Um, so the utilities definitely still kind of run the show um, in terms of like how free people can be in this industry, um, you know, whereas- Is there a difference between the regional ones and the, like, would you say it's easier to deal with these like regional co-ops or the big guys like Duke 
the oh, big okay. guys, the big guys are like basically mandated to offer net metering. Okay. Uh, you know, in South Carolina, if you if a utility has over a, a private utility has over a hundred thousand customers, they have to offer net metering. Unfortunately, Hori Electric and Santa Cooper are, are public utilities, so we're hoping that one day South Carolina wakes up and you know forces those those utilities to offer net metering because you know it's not fair you know for the utility to take advantage of the customer so but for the most part duke energy dominion uh SCAG, the big guys they're offering net metering it's one to one per kilowatt hour so everything you produce you get a credit for it for the same amount you pay um so i'm you know really looking down the road you know uh batteries will be you know kind of the next step away from those utilities that aren't are limiting customers because they'll be more affordable what would you say like the biggest case for solar is and what are the biggest misunderstandings about solar i know some people think oh i get solar panels that means i don't have to be connected to the grid automatically or um like oh i'll immediately save money um or when they find out like how much things cost you know the um, they're immediately like, um, I think one of the biggest under, uh, things I've had to explain to people is that delayed gratification, like, you know, it's got this payback period, but think of it more as, you know, you're eliminating your energy bill um, with the exception of like a grid connect fee, and then you're just swapping out and eventually you're building equity and eventually you don't have a bill anymore. So misunderstandings and then like, what do you tell people that really like, uh, to explain the case for solar? Well, I think the biggest misunderstanding is that solar works, uh, you know, when the grid's down or, you know, it's just like now you just all of a sudden bought the power, like unlimited supplies of power, you know. And um, I think with, I think education, there are, you know, unfortunately there's, there's bad apples in this industry in terms of sales that will tell a customer anything. Um, so we really try to, you know, you know, filter that out with our welcome call kind of thing. But really, I mean, there are technologies out there currently where you can get, uh, if the grid goes down, you can still produce power and get at mm -hmm. least 2,000 watts out of the converter. Um, and in terms of the value, I mean, your own- You're talking your, about like a sunny island or like some of the new inverters this, that- yeah, Huh? Sunny, sunny Island's actually for a, a battery inverter, um, but the Sunny, the Sunny Boys, we can install a 2,000 watt receptacle uh, per inverter uh, that will work uh, if the power, if the grid goes down. So you can, you know, plug an extension cord in, plug in a fridge. You know, sometimes if a customer wants us to run the the switch with the plug, you know, to a closet next to their kitchen, you know, that's something we offer. Um, but those are great, you know, but I mean, again, you know, the value does come from the fact that you're, you're step one out of two to having your own power station, step two being the batteries. And, you know, we do expect the batteries to come down to about a hundred dollars a kilowatt hour, um, kilowatt hour in about, you know, we're thinking still maybe about 2023 ish. So we'll see. What's what's going to make the panel or what's going to make the system cost drop in the future? Is it panels going down in manufacturing price? Is it going to be like balance of system components like inverters? Is it going to be batteries? Is it going to be Elon, like pie in the sky like Elon Musk? Like 
uh, well, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, like panels, like the price of solar was steady coming down until uh, Suniva and Solar World sued the Chinese government for, you know, essentially. I mean, the Chinese manufacturers are, they're doing six to 10 gigawatts a year. That's 6,000 to 10,000 uh, megawatts every year versus, you know, the little guys like Solar World that are doing 250 megawatts and they, they sued and won um, back in 2017. And, uh, you know, obviously Trump signed it into law and he put the tariffs in place. And that brought the panel prices back up. I mean, we were steady seeing it drop. The price uh, per watt was plummeting, right? It was plummeting. I mean, we were now we were being able to offer that that to the customer that discount. And unfortunately, when that lawsuit came about and that tariff came in place, it did bring the panel prices back up. But I will say, they are starting to come down a little bit again. Not quite like what we saw, but we'll see what. Q3 and 4 have in store for us. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit of an unknown right now with this whole, you know, the, no, the I, <laughs> person, Personally, I get excited like about investing in some of the, I think the the most profitable part of the system is these micro like the Solar Edge in phase and now Generax getting into, uh, they bought Pika. Um, I've been excited more about that because I view the panels more as like a commodity and like really the the monitoring level and the DC optimization and the microinverters um, is, do you see that as helping bring the price down a lot um, or just give you a lot more control over the system? And do you get excited about any of those particular products? I, I mean, I will say, I mean, Enphase uh, is, is, is a newer technology. Um, they've been around for, you know, just over 10 years. And, uh, you know, for us, we, we typically stay away. We, we do use Solar Edge with their uh, power optimizers. Uh, the main reason is because inverters don't like to get hot. When you're putting, you know, 30 inverters on a roof uh, that's just getting beat by the sun. I just don't think there's enough data right now on the long term. You know, mm -hmm. I know that Enphase just went through a run of, uh, you know, essentially RMAs uh, where they had to swap out all the all the microinverters uh, for the homes where the whole system just ended up failing. And I think that you know, don't tell the don't tell the stock market this, but I think their Enphase might have that issue again in the next you know two three years or something when this when their IQ7s came out and the IQ7s started failing after six seven years. I think care. people were getting excited about their batteries technology they're coming out with. I don't know. Well, I, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, honestly, like, Enphase could change the game completely. I mean, the IQ8s are essentially a microinverter that would work similar to what Sunny Boy has in place with their secured power supply, that 2,000 watts. But what they're trying to come out with right now is essentially that if the grid goes down your entire system will speak to the main service panel and feed it the amount of power to run what's getting pulled or turned on um i think there's been an issue with uh maintaining voltage and that's why it hasn't been released to the market yet um but i mean that's just technology that i mean it's a game changer if, if the iq8s come out and they are you know Obviously, they work the kinks out, and it's able to maintain 240 volts for 
you know, uh, I think it's, I think it's, yeah, I, mean, I, talked, gonna, I talked to a guy the other day that was excited about uh, the Generac and the Pico stuff. Are you, do you think they're a threat to any of those guys or no? In terms of the battery side? No, the, uh, well, do they, is it, is it, a, do they make something like kind of like the Powerwall or I, I think that's what they're going for is like. Yeah, Generac did just come out with a battery. Um, I know LG Chem is doing something and the, and I, I'd like to know what you think of like the Tesla Powerwall kind of stuff too. Well, you know, I mean, that's just a high voltage battery. So, you know, we actually kind of steer clear of those. We've been using Simplify, uh, which is like a glyophosphate uh, lithium ion battery. So it's just, it's just, it, it doesn't have that danger of it potentially overheating or creating some type of fire. Um, uh, Simplify also, uh, Everett's company, um, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, nope. Blue Ion, Blue Ion's another battery that we're using. Um, you know, we do an AC coupled system with the Connex battery inverter, uh, where we do a critical load panel for our customers. So, you know, so those systems are set up to be, you know, producing the most watts. We still offer the sealed batteries, the AMG Trojan L16s, which is a cheaper option, which gives you more kilowatt hours as a higher, you know, bigger bang for your buck. If you're just looking for something with like, you know, a hurricane hit, you're going to be out without power for two weeks. I mean, a lot of those uh, high voltage batteries are being utilized that are, um, you know, out west where they have demand charges. And that duck curve is now going into the evening hours. Um, so they're essentially uh, producing the power while it's cheap during the day or free from the solar or, you know, for even customers that don't have solar, they're buying batteries because they're now storing the power when it's cheap and then running those batteries at night when that, when that demand charge happens. So, you know, we don't have that out here in terms of demand charges. So a lot of the times we're creating systems as a energy security. Um, for the most part, we've done, you know, maybe two homes completely off grid um, down here. And I know uh, Chris Berner's father, I mean, uh, everything he does in upstate New York is off grid. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I used to think of it as like a competition between um, like residential and utility scale, but I've uh, realized like with, especially with EVs coming online, like it's, it really isn't a zero sum game. It's like um, you're going to need everything you can, especially as you're converting everything that runs off of gasoline over to electric. So, I, I mean, you're going to need the solar farm to be providing stuff. You're going to need the home to provide stuff. And I really get excited about the what they're talking about with the EVs charging, acting as batteries, and they can sell that back to the grid. Um, yeah. I didn't realize or that. the home. You can just plug your your car into your home. And, and yeah. then if it goes down, you just, you're now running it off the 60 kW battery in your car. Like Why that's a giant power wall when you have a car. <laughs> that's a game changer right there. I mean, I'm sure Elon's got plans for that, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't like being in the speculation boat. You know, people, there's careers made just speculating about Tesla online. But um, well, I'm I pretty sure there's a car company working on this right now. What? Uh, don't quote me on it. I, I feel like I remember hearing about, I think it's Mitsubishi. Um, but they are, are, are going to release it. I, I don't know. I mean, They're all so far behind Tesla, though. I, like, I try not to be like a Tesla fanboy, but like, 
as far as just like the technology, the bat, the batteries, the making their own chip, the AI, the I just think everybody's so far. Their away. AI, their AI is far beyond anybody else. It's the whoever collects the most data is going to win, yeah. and they have people paying them to collect data right. millions of miles, as opposed to other companies having to pay. Even Google, like, is having to pay engineers to drive these things around. I mean, like, I think I saw a Cadillac commercial that was saying they had uh, two hundred, two and a half million miles of. Uh, you know, recorded driving. I think Tesla has something like 25 billion miles recorded for self-driving cars. <laughs> Every, everybody else is like, uh, you know, doing foreplay with, uh, with, uh, with um, electric They're cars. The game. Tes- Tesla's, Tesla's going to home base like immediately. <laughs> so. they, went, they went for it and they went for, from the jump. So they're like light years away uh, ahead of people when it comes to data. So. Did you see their their? I don't know how I feel about the solar shingles though. I think that is very far off. Um, I mean, it looks cool, but I don't think it's gonna be worth it anytime soon. I mean, I mean when, besides some like neighborhoods in Beverly Hills can afford it, right? You know, and when Elon Musk says, uh, "Oh, it'll be the same price as your roof," we're talking about like a Spanish tile or. A slate roof that costs one hundred fifty thousand. Know? Yeah, get get it down to the same price as asphalt shingles. Asphalt I mean, shingle right. roofs, right? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, even if they got down to like standing steam steel, I'd be impressed. You know? Yeah, yeah steel. Um, so, what what do you think? Microgrids are they going to play a big part? I think microgrids are going to be a huge, uh, you know, opportunity for the smaller utilities that are, are up against, you know, I mean, because a lot of the co-ops in North Carolina are buying power from big energy. We actually did a project or designed one for Fayetteville Electric where they're looking into a microgrid. It was like a 300 megawatt with a battery. Um, and I think a lot of those are going to pop up where it's going to decentralize the grid. So if a storm does happen, it's not just focused on, transmission uh, transmission of power from a power plant you know 500 miles away there's going to be local microgrid you know uh, that are going to be able to feed and regulate the grid according Just to trade what, power yeah I'm, I'm a big yeah. fan of decentralization yeah i think localized is definitely the key i mean even with with this whole covid thing and you know like the I mean, when it comes to goods moving and food and all that, I mean, it's important that local communities are able to provide that. So. And I'm not, I'm not one of those like big anti-globalists, but like it is stupid that we have like everything, like we can't even build. I think 3D printing is going to have a huge run because I mean, it's stupid that we can't just like get basic things. The fact we couldn't get masks or couldn't get like cotton swabs. It's like, what? Like, yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've heard. You have like, to have billionaires like bringing like seven forty sevens from China, like of stuff. So. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like I mean, I've read that like cotton grown in Alabama is is just like put in a giant container bale and shipped to, to China to be processed and then and then made into t-shirts and then shipped back yeah. to us. It's like I I realized that I I was like in high school. We went to Hawaii. And I was sitting there and I was eating like the sugar in the raw packets. And right. I was like, and it said made grown in Hawaii. And I was like, oh, cool. Local Hawaiian sugar. Right. And then I flipped, <laughs> I flipped the packet over. And even from high school, I realized how effed up this was. Is on the back of it. It says packaged in New Jersey. I was like, this, <laughs> this one sugar packet has traveled like 
what, 5,000 miles to get back yeah. to the same place it was grown. <laughs> I know, I know. And it's, I mean, again, it just comes That's down to... That's stupid capitalism right there. <laughs> I mean, it, everybody's trying to save a buck when it comes to, to capitalism. And I mean, I think that's what happened with China. But, you know, like, unfortunately, like, I mean, labor laws are important. And, you know, I mean, I think that's kind of the disconnect between the, the American business owners that brought those companies over to China. They didn't really care about the workers, and you know, mm -hmm. saw an opportunity to shortchange that and get cheap labor. So I think, it, I think it's something that they need to reevaluate and bring back, bring back here to, and, and have good jobs for Americans. Well, our, our store is a lot of like off grid stuff, especially um, more t geared towards, RV, camping, outdoors, uh, cabins, but all, I mean, some for houses, but not, not really. We're, we're not doing installations or anything like that. So if someone though, like is arguing, should I, or asking you, like, should I go off grid? Should I go uh, grid connected or a hybrid system? I, I think a lot of people just think they're going to get off grid when they get a solar system. Like, how would you, I mean, I would take their circumstances into obviously like if you're traveling around RV, you're going off grid or um, or if you're going to be in the middle of the woods, like I know somebody that got there off grid because the cost to run a electric line was thousands of dollars. I said, yeah, yeah it makes a lot more sense to do that. Um, so what would you tell them? Well, I mean, it really comes down to doing your homework, uh, looking into utility you know, making sure that you, if your utility does offer net metering to, yes, you can completely offset the kilowatt hours that you're using in a year. And net metering is what? Net metering is, you know, essentially where, say I use, you know, 400 kilowatt hours in a month and my system produced 600 kilowatt hours. Most of those programs will roll that 200 kilowatt hours over into the next month. You know, so leading into the months, like going into the summer, or if you got a hot, you know, heavy gas, or, or it's not <laughs> every heat, heavy heat bill, bill um, that it can carry over uh, to those months and help offset that that your consumption. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Duke Energy, for example, does actually, in fact, on June first of every year, uh, uh, any anything you're rolling over, they accept it as a donation. So they give you zero value for that power. So you want to make sure you're not oversizing it as well. And that's something that they, you know. That's the, where you the have the, the curve and you, you kind yeah. of get, yeah. Because yeah, you, you want to produce want to, more in the winter and the spring right. than you need and then less in the summer so that you kind of like split that curve. Well, I mean, the summer is obviously the best months for solar because the days are longer. But you don't uh, want to, you don't want to produce um, as, that's usually when people use the most power, right? Right. They, I mean, yeah. Summertime with the AC cranking all day. Um, but again, like you, you don't want to have, you know, like your, your, your produ production like this and your usage like this, like going into June 1st for Duke Energy customers, because they'll just take, they'll take that and just put it in their pocket and be like, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing you should be wary of. Not all utilities are like that in terms of a June 1st cutoff. Some let you roll over, some pay you. Uh, for the averages every month for the cost that you are actually paying for electricity. So they'll actually end up sending you a check every month. That's not something we have here in North or South Carolina, but in Illinois that does stuff like that. Um, and then there's the utilities that don't offer net metering uh, and, and anything that you send to them, they, they give you a price 
per kilowatt hour, which is usually like three to five cents. Uh, so if you're paying, you know, 11, 12 cents, anything you send to them, they're only giving you a half or a third. So you want to make sure that you're designing that system based on about 50% of the production that you're using. So all the power that you're using during the daytime mm -hmm. is used by like all, basically everything that your solar is producing during the daytime is now uh, being your home's using and you're sending as little bit as possible to the utility. Um, I would say siting your house is really good in the first place. Like I like to use Google Sunroof just to spec out like a how that's not a very professional software, but it's still very effective. It, it shows, shows it shows do you have a lot of tree shading? Yeah. Do you have a good south facing roof? And if not, like do you have a good east and west that you can kind of split those panels, right? Right, absolutely. I mean that's very important when it comes to solar. It doesn't work in the shade. It doesn't do very well uh, facing north in those winter months when the sun's not getting high enough. So you want to have a southeastern, southwest, southern facing, uh, you know, uh, orientation of the panels uh, where they're installed. And obviously, you got trees. You know, unfortunately, most of our customers they don't want to cut them down. But after a couple of years, they're like, "Hey, do you know a tree guy? <laughs> I'm ready." And that's where some of those power optimizers come in really well, though, too, isn't it? If you get shading across, if you have string inverter and you get shading across one panel, doesn't it knock out that whole string as opposed to like when you can isolate those panels and have panel level monitoring? If one panel gets taken out, you don't take all of them out, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's how that's exactly how string inverters work. Uh, I know that there are uh, SMA has like a dual MPPT. Well, that's basically for doing multiple roofs. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, optimizers, microinverters, they're they're focused directly on the panel and each cell of that panel. Um, so that's really you know. So if shade covers one panel, it's not going to affect the rest of the string. So. I, I did want to bring up other sol ways to use solar and whether you do that or what, like whether you recommend it is there's you know, solar thermal. And then the, within that there's flat plate and evacuated tube. And then there's, I've actually run across a product. I was wondering what you thought of if they're like mounted against the sidewall and you actually pull air through um, and it, it's a solar air heater and it goes like through a matrix. It heats the air and then puts it back in the house. It's kind of it looks like a flat plate collector, but it had like, you know what I'm saying? I, I haven't actually seen those. It has a little PV panel that runs a fan and it pulls air in and it's okay. black and it like keeps it in there long enough to like superheat the air and it is used as a supplemental heater or it's a solar air heater. And then there's yeah. obviously the solar water heating. So if you don't know yeah. anything about that, you can just talk. Well, about yeah. Well, I mean, my opinion, solar thermal, it's, it's not worth the money. I mean, I would, much rather bundle in a hot water tank that's uh, energy efficient. We offer those AO Smith uh, hybrid uh, energy efficient water. Like tanks. an instant water heater or a tank? Uh, I mean, I, no, we don't, we don't do instant water mainly because if you do want batteries in the future, it does have a high pull um, of energy yeah. to heat that water. So the hybrid ones, it's like a geothermal water tank. They're about, you know, anywhere from 1200 to 1500 bucks from Lowe's. Uh, but they use about 960 kilowatt hours a year versus the standard, you know, one that's put in a, you know, regular, you know, HOA home is about mm -hmm. anywhere from 4,800 to 5,000 kilowatt hours a year. So right there, you're saving 3kW of solar by just swapping out that hot water tank. Um, 
So that's one way around it. I mean, solar thermal, I mean, again, it for the cost, it's just so much cheaper just to swap that water tank out for those geothermal ones and then just offset the, the 960 kilowatt hours with solar. Um, if you had to pick between a flat plate and an evacuate tube, though, what, what do you like better? In terms of thermal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the flat plate, I think, is the one we use. Again, we've only done, like, two maybe. Yeah. And the guy's house that we did, he had the uh, radiant floor uh, throughout the, his, his basement and his top floor. So his whole home had radiant floor. So it actually made sense for him uh, because he heated his home on uh, hot water. So my, my boss had one in, uh, in Boone, and he had a couple – he was a dealer, so he got them really cheap. So he had a bunch of thermal panels. Um, and then he had a Carolina water stove that burned like a couple logs a day. And it was all tied into his water heater tank and a radiant floor heating. It was pretty cool, though. Yeah. No, those are pretty pretty sweet systems when it comes to, you know, like having a mountain cabin or something like that. <laughs> do, you, um, do you like like wa- water source or ground source heat pumps for heating? Uh. For geothermal, yeah, uh, like, I mean, right now we're not really we're not installing those. Um, I think either or is a, it's a you know it's a good technology if you have that you know if you have a water source next to you. Um, yeah, but for the most part, I mean, you know, it, it does it it's expensive. I mean, just like solar. So I always tell people the best way to do solar is. Um, Focus on energy efficiency first, insulation, air, uh, weatherization, you know, windows, that sort of thing. And then make your appliances, like do an assessment of your appliances um, and c- kind of categorize how many kilowatts and all that kind of stuff you're using. Try to get like an induction stove is use a lot less than uh, full electric just whatever things you can either eliminate or reduce in any things you can take off electricity. If you're going off grid, like a propane refrigerator, uh, stuff like that. Um, and then you suddenly your system shrinks a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, it absolutely makes sense. You don't want to buy solar to offset inefficiencies, you know, <laughs> like if yeah. you're, you know, I, I, home I know, home. like I've seen people try to sell like a, like an enormous system that really like, it could have been sh- like cut in half almost. And- yeah, if they would have just gotten like the windows replaced or something. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's obviously, I mean, we definitely uh, look into that, you know, first. If it's like a home from 1930s, hasn't been you know, remodeled, and there's just a draft you can feel in the home, you know, that's definitely something we recommend to take care of. So otherwise, you're just, you know, you're, you're uh, what, I guess, you know, heating a home that's just, basically trying to heat the outside as well so if somebody's doing a battery system would you say uh like lead acid versus lithium do you have any preference on that i mean i like those glyophosphate lithium ions that we have right now it doesn't have that fire hazard it does still come with that 10-year warranty uh and it has like a 10,000 cycle life you know it just depends on the application i mean uh chris's dad's got the uh well he's got the lead acid uh trojan l16s and you know but that cabin is is essentially a summer cabin because in the winter time he's running everything on propane uh it's it's in upstate new york um so you know for the most part i mean he's got a controller on it where i mean it's 
producing it, it, it it's able to function uh, you know just with lead acid but again it, it is like upstate New York so the summers are also you know the hot days 85 degrees you know you can just open the windows up and then nighttime it's in the 60s but for down here in that type of application if you're going off grid you definitely want to have something that has that cycle life where you if you're utilizing it every day I mean, it's definitely best to go with like a blue ion or a simplified battery. Um, uh, there's also another one, uh, Everett, Everett's. Uh, oh, blue ion? I'm trying to, well, blue ion, but Everett's company uh, with, uh, man, I'm trying to give him a shout out and I'm totally screwing this <laughs> right now. Um, anyway, uh, what's that? Oh, I never mind. You were trying to make sure out. Yeah, so I mean, again, so when it comes to like doing something uh, off grid and having, you know, on a, on, on a daily cycle, you do want to have a battery that carries that 10 year. Um, stores, stores power. So, stores power, blue ion, and simplified are three, the three batteries that we, you know, vetted and, and, and have been installing for customers that want that lithium ion option. What should people ask us, like uh, two more questions. What, what should people ask somebody that's trying to sell solar to them? What should they look for in somebody, um, you know, so they get the best value? Like what are, what, what are probably some of the best questions to filter out? Well, I mean, you know, I, I think just asking all the questions. And, and reading that salesperson um, in terms of if they're not jumping on the answer and knowing the answer immediately, then they're probably just making something up. Um, you know, I've been in sales calls where, you know, I, I, I hardly get to do it anymore because I'm so busy. But when I do get on it, I sometimes talking too much because I'm realizing I'm talking too technical. But at the same time, those customers really appreciate me coming out because they're like, you know, I've had two other appointments and these guys can answer any of these questions. So that should be a red flag in my opinion. I'd, I'd rather see somebody talking technical to me than... Yeah, like just going yeah, crazy no, talking yeah. about the install, where we're running conduit. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, and if if the sales guy can't come up with an answer like that, I mean, then, you know, yeah. they may not know what they're talking about. I mean, most of the guys that we know, that our guys that are selling out there, I mean, they... They're sharp. They know solar. They know, I mean, they can answer the quick questions. I think, I, I can, think that's kind of, yeah. I can speak personally from like the people I went to school with, like nobody's in this industry. People, there's two types of people I see in this industry. One is scammers and two is people that love the hell out of what they do. And uh, I mean, I, if you don't detect, if you don't right detect that it. someone like emulates, like they love solar, then like I would say run because like most people I know like can't stop talking about it. I can agree with that. I absolutely can agree with that because all our, our best salesmen are the ones that are passionate and just love solar and they just believe in it. So I agree. If that was record solar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the people I talked to that bit like, that I went to school with, they've been doing this 15 years and they still, or 10 years and they still can't stop talking about it. And we talk about it at the bar. Like I can't get them to shut up about it. Like, so, oh, I, know. I mean, that's, that's the kind of sales I want. 
Until so the girlfriends and wives start being like, all right, enough already. No, Solar. <laughs> the guy that had, the, like, the dream job. I went to a party, and this guy, like, had a – he pulled his drone out. And I was like, what is that? And he, like, was a project manager on a solar farm. And he's like, oh, I got – somehow he used to be the guy at App that was, like, flying a drone around. And somehow he got the job of being the guy that flies the, the drones to take pictures of the solar farm. I was like, dude, I hate you. <laughs> like, you have, like, the dream right. job. Did it have an infrared camera on it? I don't know. He, dude, they would buy him, like, $6,000 drones, like, all kinds of well, crazy. Well, that's, like, kind of the new O&M. Um, for those, you know, large solar fields, it's just running that infrared camera to detect hotspots. So, I mean, yeah. it's pretty cool what's happening with technology. I think it's... When I, when I left the solar industry, they weren't doing grid backup yet. And then I heard somebody say they had like, uh, they would have shipping containers with lithium batteries in them. I'm like, what? I was like, yes. we just went up to the, the poles. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. I mean, Strata Solar is doing those right now. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know them. <laughs> like, yeah. I used, I used to work for them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, uh, man, do you want to say anything about your company? And uh, I, we appreciate having you, having you on, man. Um, definitely, uh, like, I'm, I'm trying to be a business owner. Like, you've been doing it. And so, like, I love having business owners on and, um, you know, talking with uh, them. Yeah, absolutely. If anybody's interested in, in Accelerate Solar, I'd say shoot us a, a message on our website. Uh, you know, that comes directly to the owners. And, uh you have a home that's uh, perfect for solar, you might hear from myself or one of my, my partners. Uh, we'll give you a great deal. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I mean, we're we're here to just to do clean installs and take care of our customers. And uh, you know, we really are passionate about solar. And no matter what you want in solar, we you know we've got some crazy requests. If if you know if that's where you want to go with it, we'll make it happen, kind of thing. So. We got some cool custom stuff. I think you saw that pergola we just did. I'm not sure if you saw that. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, I posted it on my. It, it's on our our, our uh, social media page too. Um, yeah, I like did. I like following all my my solar friends. You know, see all this canopy solar canopies and all this kind of crap. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's basically a solar canopy pergola we just did uh, all custom. But we're gonna the ideal the ideal job is when you get out of just doing like. You know the utility stuff gets cookie cutter. What right. in yeah. Asheville we were doing? Um, I mean, we were just doing stuff to for guy to charge his Tesla, little six kilowatt things, and you get to into those custom off grid things. Those are the funnest to do for sure. Yeah, yeah, like that. We just did a dual axis tracker with ten simplified batteries, so that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Use the all earth renewable uh, dual axis tracker, but yeah, it's uh, fun. You know, uh, we're yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Peace. All right. See you, man. Yeah. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. All right, guys. That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, stay tuned and check out our next episodes.